Welcome back to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I am your host and fellow Clubfoot Mom, Maureen Hoff. I'm so excited for this episode because of the guest. I have learned so much from this person, both professionally and personally, since I was originally introduced to her, and I'm just so thrilled that she agreed to be a guest on the podcast today. So Katie Taylor is the CEO and founder of Child Life On Call and a Child Life Specialist. Before being introduced to Katie through Betsy Miller, you all know I love Betsy, I had never heard of a child life specialist, which I thought was odd because I had a child who frequented the hospital regularly during her first year of life. I originally was on Katie's podcast through Child Life On Call and did an episode about Clublet and our daughter's story. And so thankfully, Katie has agreed to come on to talk to you guys about Child Life Specialist and really just about parents and working with parents in general. There's so much good information that she has, and I just really can't say enough about how much Katie's work has impacted my life. I talk a lot in this episode. You'll hear me talk about how much personally she impacted the way that we approached uh, our cutie's ITP diagnosis. So let's just dive on in. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. It's fun to be here on your podcast now. I had you, when was that that you were on Child Life on Call? I think it was, yeah, the episode I think aired this time last year, so it was like October of 2021 is when we actually recorded it. Yeah, so it's fun to actually talk with you again, and we kind of run in similar circles in the online caregiver support world, so it's always fun to get together. I know, if only, like I feel like you're like the um, aspirational version of what I would like to be. Like there's so much of what you do and what you talk about that resonates so deeply with me. So I'm so happy for you to be on the podcast because just so that people know in the background, I've had, um, I've shared about uh, our daughter's ITP journey through the through her blood disorder. And I talk about, oh, I reached out to a child life specialist to talk about how we can set up a good blood draw routine. And here she is, you guys. It's Katie. Katie's the one that I reached out to. I was like, here's a personal, I have a personal question for you because it was right after we had connected. And I was like, I bet you money she has an ideas. And honestly, that set us up for success. Like they told us at her last blood draw, they were like, you guys could teach a class on how to do this because we just show up. She's never cried. She's read. Like, it's just this, it's become seamless. And I mean, 15 blood draws later were. Wow. So 15 blood draws. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot of blood draws, but a lot of blood draws. But so much of what we learned and I learned came from you, and I'm just so grateful. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because even though you're not a club foot community member, (laughs) so much of what you do relates so much to what I try to speak to with parents with club foot. So why don't we just start with you like explaining what Child Life Services is and what Child Life Specialists do? Yeah, well, thank you for saying that and and mentioning that it was impactful. And I that is literally the whole point behind Child Life on Call 
It yeah. is to insert this knowledge that child life specialists have mm-hmm. in the hands of parents so that it's great if we're there to support you, but we're not going to go to all 15 blood draws with you. So how mm-hmm. can you, the parent, feel informed and empowered to have a great experience or an okay experience or a better every time experience with yeah. your child? So um, thank you for saying that. That means a lot. Um, as far as child life specialists go and kind of like what our services are, um, child life specialists are certified. So, uh, it's different than a registered nurse. It's different than a social worker. We're our own kind of population. Um, mm-hmm. we're child development experts, uh, and are very, um, well aware of psychosocial considerations for children and family and healthcare. Mm-hmm. So we kind of blend those two worlds together of child development, psychosocial considerations, and help children and families across the healthcare continuum from, um, you know, 20 week old babies that are born into the NICU Mm -hmm. all the way to supporting children of adult patients. So we kind Mm -hmm. of see everybody and have some tips and suggestions for the most part. Um, we work in children's hospitals. So that's really where you'll see the big child life teams. I think CHOP, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia has 70 child life specialists, um, down here, um, and at Dell Children's, I know, I think they have anywhere between like 30 and 40 people on their team mm-hmm. down to one person programs and child life specialists just trying to make an impact in their community hospital. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of these other child life specialists that we consider ourselves community-based or private practice and really mm-hmm. just inform parents one-on-one outside of the hospital. You'll also see us in advocacy centers, hospice care, mm-hmm. um, Uh, actually in a, in a prison system. So we're starting to expand and just really see that our skills are transferable um, in connecting child development and psychosocial considerations. So we have bachelor's uh, degrees in child life or a related field. um, And some of us have master's. I don't actually, I I'm just a bachelor's um, and kind of a second career child life specialist. I was only working for about three years before um, I started to pursue the field, but that's where I went to. And then we have a practicum, an internship mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's in a clinical setting. And then we go through our certification process. Wow. It's it's awesome. I feel like when I first was connected with you, I like did some research about what a child life specialist was. I was like, first of all, why have I never experienced one? I spent so much <laughs> time at the hospital and I never talked to anybody. And then and then I was like, oh, God, this is like my jam. Like, that's like yeah. the thing. It's like this great mixture of like the childhood development, the psychology, like coming from a marriage and family therapy background, like that piece of it. And then doing exactly what you said, which is like helping parents help themselves, like and help mm-hmm. their kids, which is so such a needed thing in um, healthcare, in pediatric healthcare. Yeah. And I just am so in awe of what you guys do. Like for our experience, like we, during the ITP journey, we had one time where she like hit her head and we had to go to the emergency room and immediately we were brought back. We were like, okay, you know, little blood count and a head injury. We're, we got a golden ticket to go straight back from the way. (laughs) And this trial life specialist came in and it was after I'd met you. And I was like, oh, and they were like, oh, we're going to get you some Play-Doh. And they brought her like a, because at that point we weren't running any tests. We were just waiting to make sure to see what her behavior was like, but it was such a great experience. And it's something that like my daughter remembers. She's like, oh yeah, Yeah. I went and we had to wait there forever, but I got to get Play-Doh and like, 
that experience of having somebody come and check on you and for my yeah. kid to feel like it's not, she's not just a patient, but she's like a person and, yeah. you know, she's a kid and she has to sit in a hospital room for six hours waiting for, you know. Well, and likely has not had anything to eat. You're worried and yeah. overwhelmed and yeah. Plato doesn't seem like a lot, but it makes a big impact. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you, there's no better feeling than when the kid's like, where's the doctor with the Play-Doh yeah. <laughs> in front of the real doctor? <laughs> and you're like, here I am. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we're going to go with what the kid says. Yeah. Um, doctor with the Play-Doh back. Where's the one that gave me the teddy bear? Where is yeah. you? But, you know, it's such a, it's such an important point that that six hour wait, right. That you guys experienced can like, it can either make or break you, right? Yeah. Like if you don't have that support person or you don't know how to keep your child entertained, um, or you don't know how to formulate questions, it's, it's a lot to go through. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, it's this piece of these emergency situations where it's not like I was prepped like we were like had a whole bag ready to go to the hospital, like, oh, with all the stuff we're going to do to like, and we had no idea what to expect. And that's part of where are these like acute times of where parents are so not, like overwhelmed with emotion and information and mm. trying to make decisions. And, you know, it's just an onslaught of everything that becomes this whirlwind and it feels like. Who is in the parent's corner? Like who's there to help them yeah. figure it all out? And that's a big part of what my message is with the Clubfoot community in general is like, we expect so much from parents. So what are we doing to actually help parents? Yeah. 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 I think, I think that's one of my goals. And I'll tell you, starting out as a child life specialist, I was scared of parents. <laughs> Like mm -hmm. I, I was one of those traveling specialists who would have much rather like played with the kid at the bedside and like mom goes, take a, take a break to get coffee because I, you know, it's just immaturity really. Um, and just coming into my own. But once I had that aha moment of like, oh no, 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 parents are the partners mm -hmm. and I am simply like the facilitator mm -hmm. and you know, now I get parents next to the bed with us if they want to be, or they go get that coffee break. And I know that's just as important too, yeah. but yeah. Um, really I want parents to be picking up on what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, the questions I'm asking so that they then in future experiences can go back and, and do something for the next time they have to come back. Right. It's so impactful. So let's talk a little bit about child life on call. You mentioned it before. How is that different yeah. from other child life specialists who work in a hospital setting and what made you want to start it? Yeah. So uh, child life on call started as a podcast um, in 2017. I was working in a very small children's hospital within a larger adult hospital. We had a six bed ICU, a 10 bed med surge and a 20 bed ED. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was working with a parent uh, and I tell this story a lot, but it's just the one that, that literally caused me to start child life on call. And she was the parent of a three week old with uh, bacterial meningitis. Mm -hmm. And that will get you a 21 day stay in the mm -hmm. hospital for different antibiotics. And I just remember the room was dark and she's holding her baby and, you know, I'm going in and I'm sitting next to her and I'm comforting her and just listening to her story. And she said, tell me someone else has gone through this before. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't have somebody in the room next door that I could connect her with. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have another parent um, that had just been there recently with a similar experience. And at that time I was about to give birth um, to my second child. And I just put, you know, I would listen to birth podcasts all the time because I wanted to hear what other people's experience was mm-hmm. like. And that's really where the podcast started was for that exact parent wow. who's sitting there isolated going, tell me somebody else has gone through this before and gotten to the other side. Yeah. And I could just put it in her ears and say, here you go. And here you go. I mean, it's the same thing that happened when, cause you were like, Hey, there's this woman who started, um, I guess it was it the Meditetti or something. Yes. She was like in her daughter had ITP and you were yeah. like, listen to this podcast. Yes, and I did. So yeah. you're so oh. right. That community, that community feeling like that isolation when you're in the thick of it and being able to hear somebody else be like, no, I've been through it too. And it's like when it's a podcast, it's at your own pace. Mm -hmm. So if you, you can really resonate with the episode or you can just skip it and go to another one or you can disagree with them, but you're not getting in an online fight about it. So it's, I really love it. And like, I paused it because there were parts where it was like too much for me because we were like mm. at the beginning and I was like, oh my God, are, like, are we ever going to get past it? Like, we just didn't know. And it was too, like, so I could take it in chunks when I could yeah. digest it. And that's the yeah. great thing about podcasts or books or things like that. Those yeah. kind of, where you're not like on a social forum trying exactly. to respond. And, it's on yeah. your own time. Yeah, exactly. And, and then Child Life on Call started as that podcast and mm-hmm. really just kind of opened up that this this idea of supporting parents and caregivers in the hospital is wonderful, but what happens when they go home? Mm-hmm. And I was really able to see parent experiences in the hospital transform from overwhelmed, anxious, not knowing what was going to happen to getting a child life specialist and then feeling included. Mm -hmm. collaborative, Mm -hmm. knowing how to advocate. Mm -hmm. And we don't go home with families. And so how, what is a resource Mm -hmm. that they have and that they can take home? And that's really kind of where the app stemmed from. Mm -hmm. Um, So right now, child life specialists are seeing anywhere from 30 to 50% of families that come into the hospital. Uh, We're not a billable service. And so that means that the hospital doesn't make any revenue off of us. Mm -hmm. We're kind of a part of the hospital overhead. But Mm -hmm. what that also means is that there's 50% of families that aren't seeing child life. And that's not child life's fault. They have non-clinical responsibilities. If you are in a bereavement, you can be with that patient for six hours. You can have a like event that's going on. There's so many responsibilities. So how do we fill that gap for hospitals for that 50% of families that aren't getting child life? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the app was born from. Well, yeah, I love that. I think both of those are such good, uh, important points of like, how do we give parents resources to take home? Because so right. much of the medical mom and parent stuff is done outside of any sort of doctor's appointment or um, hospital setting. And then also, yeah, just your guys's capacity. So I say that like I never had heard about a child life specialist, but now anybody I know who's going to spend extended period, I'm like, ask for one of these because they're, you know, but it is that piece of there's this aspect that I've been grappling with writ 
lately about like the healthcare and the more you get into it and all of like the revenue and the money and the peace. And sometimes I'm just like, I just want someone that cares about my kid. Like, that's it. I don't care who out here is looking for just what's best for her. And that's it. And I feel like there's a part of that child life specialist that's just, it fills that void for Mm. a lot of parents is this you're there for me and you're there for my kid and mm. no questions asked about like, how are, how am I going to pay for you to be there? That sort of thing. So it's right. such an amazing resource that I hope that everybody can start to have more access to. So, right. Yeah. It, it's, I can tell you from working in healthcare for over 12 years mm-hmm. that I have never met another clinician, whether it's a tech, a nurse, a physician, that isn't there to make sure the family's okay. So I, I know that healthcare is broken and the system, the man, all of that stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, I have been lucky enough to work on teams that are like, what is best for the child? We're not worried about, can they pay? Can they not? Yeah. And it's hard to, I'm sure on the other side mm-hmm. to feel that because the first person you meet is a registrar getting your credit card. <laughs> Right. And there's just no, you know, I, there yeah. just hasn't been a system to fix that. Yeah. But, you know, the doctors I work with, the, of course, you know, everybody has different personalities, but um, rest assured, like I've, I've been so amazed by mm-hmm. the team members and the mm-hmm. care team and we can always work on delivery and professionalism and all of those other things that are important, but I hope yeah. that helps keep some parents who are listening, a little peace of mind that sure they're burnt out or crispy as we like Mm -hmm. to say, you know, not totally burnt out yet, but, um, gosh, we're there, we're there for the kids and chose pediatrics for a reason. Yeah. And I think that's a good reminder, even for myself, it's easy to be caught into the whys and the outcomes and all of that as you get kind of wrapped up in everything. And, but every medical professional I've ever had on this podcast is always like, I want to help. Like it's the genuine aspect of regardless of anything, I'm here to help and I want to help. And the ability and that want and that desire versus the actuality of how do we kind of merge those two things together? How do we make sure that the desire is meeting what parents need to? So I think it's such an it's that's an important reminder so thanks for saying because I do (laughs) think it's sometimes you get inundated with the as a parent all of the stuff that you have to deal with and then go okay what what am I doing all of this Mm. and yeah yeah. I have um kind of just a quick story one of my very good friends is an ER physician who happens to be beautiful too and I'm just like how rude like, do you have to have it all? Like you have to be incredibly smart and a gifted physician. And she walked in, she works in the ER and, you know, it's been tough for those, those physicians and providers Mm -hmm. over the past year. Yeah. And she walked in a, an ER room and she was like, the mom just had an attitude with me from the Mm -hmm. very beginning. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I couldn't say anything right. I could barely get an assessment like things were getting heated and I just had to leave. And she's like, you know, I thought about you and I thought about child life and I thought, oh my gosh, she's scared. And her, her aggravation towards me is coming from a place of fear. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And so she kind of like collected herself and she went back in and she sat on the bed and all of a sudden the mom just starts crying Mm -hmm. and says, I'm so sorry. I was so rude to you the last time you were in here. Mm -hmm. And that's all it took is like both parties just being willing to come to the middle. Mm -hmm. So the doctor wasn't like, now I'm going to mistreat this family. She was like, I'm going to give it another try because there's something underneath. And the family was like, she didn't deserve that either. Mm -hmm. So, and then Mm -hmm. it's like a beautiful collaboration. And Mm -hmm. I I just love that story because it's, that's, if we could just have it all be that way, that would be great. If we could all get to that magic middle where we're all, you know, as a, therapist I'm always thinking about and I worked in divorce court for a long time so I took a lot of people's heat and anger and um you know people who were really good people going through a really difficult time and I remember yeah. being like it wasn't you always had to take that anger and I always had to like rethink it it wasn't mm-hmm. even if it was directed towards me it wasn't about me like it's that piece of trying to get to the intentionality behind people. And then parents also able to step outside of their own fear and recognizing it like, oh God, I, I'm taking out these, my emotional processing onto this person who's trying to help me, but yeah. I'm bringing in whatever I have in the past to this experience and my yeah. own emotion. So if we can, I feel like that's what it boils down to so much is how, how we all are processing what's happening and then how is that being communicated to each other? So yeah, it's a beautiful story. I was at a a hospital last week working with a child life team. And one of the phrases a child life specialist used was when there's this compassionate collaboration on both sides Mm -hmm. is like where the magic is in healthcare Mm -hmm. and the, the care team is listening to parents, but the parents are also listening to the care team. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I love that. Let's brand that. I did. I mean, I think that's such a big piece, compassionate collaboration. And I think that's one of the things that I wanted you to talk about today is just about so much of what you do with child life is also like, I'm, I try to get parents to kind of understand how important their role is in yeah. their child's treatment, because I think it's one of the things that I lacked at the beginning was I thought I was from a mindset that was very like, I'm going to do whatever the doctor tells me to do, especially with my two older who were typical, not medically complex kids. And then I got kind of pushed into this other world and I didn't, it was really uncomfortable for me. And I didn't see myself as like a partner on the team. I didn't, it wasn't until like we went home with this brace and I was like, okay, now I'm responsible alone at home to do this for five years. Like, how am I ever gonna, it wasn't until like that realization happened that I was like, okay, I'm actually like a major player here. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit to us about parents and how they can, um, like where you see their role on the team for this, you know, the compassionate collaboration. I think it's normal at the beginning of any kind of healthcare experience, even as the patient, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're the parent to right. feel like, I don't know how to stick up for myself. I don't know how to stick up for my child. 
Mm-hmm. And so there's this natural progression of like crawling before you walk, walking before you run. Mm-hmm. And so at the beginning of any new environment, new experience, you're going to be, you're going to trust the people around you because they've done this before. Yeah. And then as you described, you realize you're a key player. And so one mm-hmm. of the things I do as a child life specialist is I'm like, parents, like you, you are the expert on your child. Mm. Like you don't have to be the expert on why you're here medically, but you're the expert on your child. And I'm sure you've heard that before. I always like to add that you're also the advocate and that your job actually why you're here is to speak up. And Mm. I think that kind of gives parents permission to start a conversation. And if I walk in a room and a parent is sitting in the corner, one of the first things I do is I'm like, let's get you into bed, um, you know, with your child. And not only does that bring comfort to the child, but it now is putting some stake in the game for the parent too. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is like, we're working with a family. We're not working with just a patient. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really easy to feel powerless when you're amongst people and you have no idea the language that they're speaking, which we know that medical terminology is just silly sometimes. Like we can say NPO, right? That's the medical way to say it. But how about just not eating is another way to say it. No, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even know what that meant until it's like the amount of acronyms in medical terminology that is just so overwhelming in itself let alone just calling it what it is, right? It's hard to, um, or using terminology that, that you understand that parents understand, I think, but you just become so, um, you know, ingrained in you to just say, like, I even find myself, the more that I am in the clubfoot community, I use AFO so much more now as I did boot, because now it's more, I never used boot. I never used AFO. I wouldn't even be able to tell you what that was if I was in 23 hour wear. Right. But I was always boots and bar, but now I'm like, as you move more towards it, you get more comfortable with the lingo, but parents in the beginning are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And we're too afraid to say, okay, slow down. I don't know what you're saying. Like, and you don't want to feel like you don't like you're dumb. Like I'm just being straight. Like, I don't want to feel like I don't, know what you're talking about. But the reality is I don't. And if I don't know, then I'm not going to understand. And then I'm going to be not set up to feel confident as I leave this appointment. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good point too, is like, I want parents to feel confident and capable and Mm -hmm. they absolutely are. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways to just even get started with, if you're trying to find your voice in healthcare is just asking questions and you can say it, you know, I maybe should know this, but I don't right now. And that's probably happening for a variety of reasons, but could you write down what you just said on the whiteboard? And cause there's always going to be a whiteboard and a marker in the room, hopefully, or can you tell me how to spell what you just said? It went really fast through my brain and Mm -hmm. then take a picture of the whiteboard of what they just wrote down or Mm -hmm. screenshot what you just wrote in your phone so that you can be now collecting some data. Mm. And that's what I want parents to get really comfortable doing is learning how the language that they just heard from the medical team is now relating to their child. So I, if my child is in pain at a six and we're going to give Tylenol at this, then is that what I should expect moving forward? But you're just starting to now collect these data points. Mm-hmm. And that's another way to feel really empowered so that the next time the team comes in, you 
are now taking out some of the overwhelm of not knowing what just happened because you wrote it down as soon as it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So being your child's advocate comes with being your child's note taker too. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of annoying to think about having to do that all the time, but it's going to save you stress in the long run because I promise you may not remember what just happened as soon as the doctor walks out the room. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's actually one of the things that you, I'm jumping ahead of here in the questions, but you brought it up. And so one of the things that I actually recently talked to you about, and I, when I did a presentation about Clubfoot recently, I used this statistic about how patients, you had posted something from a medical journal about, it said that like patients forget 80% of what you say in appointment. And that's a patient. (laughs) And I was like, that's a patient themselves. That's not even a parent who's trying to like take in all the information about their kid and it's like one step removed, right? Um, And I was like, so if if we're talking about a 60-minute appointment, we're talking they remember 12 minutes. Mm, So how much of that, like, so like what you said, I think that the point is how do parents start to... I think the note-taking is a great thing. And it's also mm-hmm. how do we start to advocate for like things that we need outside? Like we don't know what we don't know. And so yeah. I don't know what it's going to be like at home, but I'm obviously going to run into something at home. And when I do, what are we giving parents? How can we help in that aspect of giving them information that they can utilize when they're not here in the moment with us? Yeah, I think. What's coming up for me as you're talking about this, like I'm getting ready to go home and you get the stack of discharge papers mm-hmm. and nurses are supposed to go over that discharge paper with you. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you're so ready to get out of the hospital. I've been a patient myself. I'm ready to go. I It's going to be fine. I'll just call the doctor later. But yeah. taking the time at those five minutes of going through the discharge papers and stopping when you don't understand or it's different than what was verbalized to you. Mm -hmm. So that is a technique that I like is that really prioritizing that discharge moment. Okay. Um, The other thing I really like is asking for, you're about to have a sit down conversation and it's something that's important and you want to retain what's happening is asking for a patient advocate, a child life specialist, or a social worker to join you during those conversations. Mm -hmm. There were many times in the NICU um, when I would go to family care conferences. And so there would be the pulmonologist, the neurologist, the NICU intensivist, the respiratory therapist, the physical therapist, and parents sitting there. And I'm like, I know they're overwhelmed and they've been working with these families for three months, but my job would be to sit there and take notes because Mm -hmm. I know the family needed to communicate and you can't communicate and take notes at the same time. Right. Um, I I would stand there while a physical therapist was going over different moves and Mm -hmm. what you should do when you get home and just dictating all of that too. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times those therapists will have leave behinds, whether it's a PDF or a printout and asking for those things because they're not going to always give them to you. So ask for those, like, can you give me a one pager on -hmm. this? And even Mm -hmm. if they have to create it, Mm -hmm. you're also helping the next family get that information too. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. I think that with parents, that sometimes is the disconnect is that I'm trying to be in real time communicating what's happening with my child. 
especially when you have a little one who can't communicate for themselves at all. So you're trying to say what you need, and then they're giving you information, and you're trying to process the information at the same time as trying to be present in in that communication. And it just makes sense that not all that information gets logged in, and then you can't remember when you get home, right? Or you get to an appointment. We've all been there where we're like, we have so many questions going in. And then we get there and the doctor's like, you have any questions? And you're like, I don't know. Like you just like freeze because you, you just forget everything because you've, t- and you know, they ask you at the end of the appointment where you've just taken all this appoint- information. And do you have like, any questions? No, do you have any questions? <laughs> and I'm like, you literally just talked to me for an hour about ITP. And I have no idea what my questions were at the end or whether you answered them. And Um, I think that sometimes all of that gets wrapped up. So those one, those one sheets and those leave behinds are so important and they, the more resources you can utilize at home, like take home. I tell parents all the time, like take videos of the people putting on the boots and bar. I promise you, you're going to want those when you get home because you're going to be like, wait, where, where did this go? And how great idea. You know, it's like these simple tips idea. that I wish I would have had yeah. that I'm like, hey, and if I say that, then I feel like, oh, I'm like, hopefully paying it forward to the next person to be like, oh, I didn't even think of that. That's true. Because we were so excited to be done with casting that I didn't even think about what was coming next. Yeah. And which is probably a survival technique. And, yeah. you know, you don't know what you don't know. And yes. you're like, oh, my gosh, I now I have to flip to the to the next. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important. And you're right. And the more you ask for it, I think they have them a lot of the time, too. You just have to ask like they like do. They and do if they don't, this. they should have they yeah. should have it. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things is on the app is there's a there's a parent section where it's like how to engage with your care team and it yeah. says this is how to take notes and it teaches parents how to write an API note, which is a really popular note in the medical field. And it, it just kind of walks you through assess, assessment, plan, intervention, evaluation. And it's telling you the parent how to think like a clinician, not because you have to be the expert, but just to, so you can have this shared language. And then yeah. we also have like questions for the doctor so that at the end of those hours, you can be like, hold on, I can't think, but I have some questions here. Let me see if they relate to what yeah. we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that's so great. I think the more, the more that we can understand each other's language, the better that we can communicate and get our needs met. And mm-hmm. so if you're thinking like, it's not like you have to be an expert, but to think about, okay, this is what their goal for the, this is what their goal is. So now where do my goals align with their goals? And so right. we can reach our collaborative goal of. Absolutely you know, successful treatment for a successful appointment for feeling confident at home. Like all of those are goals that every time I've had a medical professional on here wants to achieve. They want parents to feel confident. They want them to feel like they're part of the care team. They want their, they don't want them to struggle alone at home. So if those are mutual collaborative goals, let's use the appointments in the same sort of fashion and parents can start to a little bit understand where the medical people are coming from too. Right. It's not just a one way street. I agree completely. Yeah. Well, what do you wish more parents understood in general 
about mm. the hospital or their child's treatment. It's just a, it's just a simple question. It's, yeah. you know, <laughs> I know this is the one that stumps me. Um, I think we've, we've touched on it a couple of times and there's something new that I want to bring to the conversation. Um, so we've said your voice is important, right? From the very beginning, whether your voice is asking a question or giving information about your child that the care team needs to know. Um, there's one hospital system I work with and in every chart at the top of the chart, it says what matters most. Mm -hmm. And that's like the, what matters most to this family, this chart, this patient. And I love that because it's such a family centered care way of doing it. So it's yeah. like, if you can think about what, what matters most to me and my child right now. Um, the second thing is it's your job to be the advocate and you can, once you, you can choose your care team. So, right. If you show up to a doctor's appointment and the, the clinicians are jerks and you're not vibing, you can mm -hmm. ask for alternate referrals, mm -hmm. pick your care team. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing, and I'm going to preach this to the choir. And I think I'm going to have some people who don't agree with me. It is okay for, and necessary for parents to take breaks. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the hospital, ask your care team, what's a time that I know the doctor's not going to come by? Like maybe yeah. they're in surgery, maybe they're in dictation, maybe they're doing rounds like mm -hmm. at another facility or something. When can I go take a break, mm -hmm. whether it's mental because you're listening to a podcast or you're grabbing coffee mm -hmm. um, so that you can take care of yourself. And the other thing is I want parents to eat even when their kids can't. <laughs> It's so easy to be like, if my child can't eat for 12 hours, I'm going to be right there next to them. But we need you to be mm. full of nutritious, wonderful food so that you have the energy to be there for your child. Because I tell you, like, you know how it is. Like when your child is sick and you haven't taken care of yourself, it's even harder to do it. But if you just went out for a run and had a good meal, you're ready to come back. So please eat even if your child can't. Oh. I think I love that. I think that's so important because I think we do. We try to like get on the same bus, right? You're like, yeah. you can't do it, then I'm not going to do it either. But the reality is it's like on the airplane, right? You got to put your mask on before you put your kid's mask on. Like you have oh. to, if you want to be um, a capable parent, like, and, you know, cognitive even, you need to eat. One of, uh, one of the women that I follow who I love on social media, she always ends with like, get yourself a snack. Like, get yourself a snack. <laughs> She's like, I love it. every single video, and I'm just like, yes, I'm going to get myself a snack. Like, get a snack. I deserve to eat food, and I deserve to, um, you know, I'm in charge of caring for this little one, so I also have to be uh, taking care of it. It reminds me of my husband almost fainted in my first, uh, in the first birth labor with my eldest because he didn't eat. And I was like... Yeah. You need to eat, eat yeah. because I couldn't eat. He was like, well, you can't. And I'm like, so order food. Like, I want yeah. you to eat because I need you to be here when I'm doing all the hard work. Yeah. Yes. You know, like, I need you to be, I don't need to be worried about you fainting. Like, I need you to be fully capable. So the next time around, I was like, you're eating, right? And he's like, yes. So I'm like, yeah. we have learned from that experience. So I think that that's. Such Imagine an your your child saying that to you, like, "Mom, I need you to be on your A game. Yeah. Please go get rest in your own bed if that's what you need, and mm -hmm. please go get a snack. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what they want you to do." But I love that idea about like asking when, because we don't want to miss 
any information. You know, parents don't want to be like, oh, no, I, I missed that. Like, so then you stay there. And I think about especially people I've had some uh, personal friends go through a, Nick, a long NICU stay. And it was like all, you know, for weeks on end. And it's like, okay, so when are we taking breaks? Because, mm-hmm. but you don't want to take a break when the child, when the doctor's coming in. Yeah. And so when are yeah. you going to know? So ask. And I, there, I, yeah. the nurses know they're like, you know, they're not even on campus till 3 p.m. And you're yeah. like, oh crap, I need to go before then that, or whatever the, yes. I'm yes. sorry I said crap, but you well, know, it's like just these light bulb insights that the care team around you has that you can ask. Yeah, I think that's so great. Well, if people want to learn more about Child Life on Call, they want to follow you. I mean, everybody needs to follow you. I mean, I love I love all of Katie's stuff, guys. You've, mm-hmm. The amount of information and things I have learned as a parent is just, I think, more from your social media than I have from any other. And oh I follow gosh. a lot of people. So it's I'm telling you guys, I know that it's not clubfoot specific stuff, but it's so important, especially thinking about long-term care. It's all generalized into ways that you can take information. So now that I've done that plug for you, why don't you Aww. tell people where, where yes. they can find? Well, thank you. I That means so much to me. It literally gives me chill bumps because we work really hard on that. Um, and so I'm glad that it's getting to the ears and the eyes yeah. that it needs to. Um, so child life on call on Instagram is where I do my most updating where you're going to find all of the free stuff and the podcast and all of that. You can also go to our website, childlifeoncall.com. Um, we have a parent page, which is like, there's a starter kit, mm-hmm. um, that parents can download, like how to give your child medicine and all of that kind of, it, it seems simple, but just, you know, it's nice to read through and, um, yeah. try to make this as accessible as possible, but I'm also on TikTok and LinkedIn, um, and then everything on Instagram gets pushed to Facebook too. So, yeah, that's awesome. Recently, you've been doing a lot of the coping plans and I love that. Yeah. I love like thinking about like strategically, like a little bit planning, like that's what happened with the, with the blood draws for us was it was like, okay, we're going to be, we're going to have a plan in place that we're in a we had all the things and all the tools and then the routine. Like I think I talk about how boots and bar kind of set us up for that. Like we had learned that routine worked for her. So it was like, how do I then transfer that? But I didn't know, like when they said she's going to have to have a blood draw every week until she's, until she's above 50, she wasn't above 50 for six months. I mean, we were talking and eventually I was like, Nope, we're not doing like, Then I started to take some of the information too. And we saw a doctor, like you said, who didn't resonate with us. I was like, and I felt empowered enough to be like, nope, we're going to see somebody else next time. Like when we were like, and I didn't feel bad about it. Like, I'm sure he didn't, it wasn't a, it was a mutual thing, you know, not, and I get to choose. And that's one of the great things about the healthcare system is the choice aspect for us. Like, for me, I was like, if I get to have a choice, then I'm going to do that. Or we were choosing where, you know, they were like, one of the, one of the things was we, where are you going to get your blood work done? And they wanted us to do it down at a different campus. And I was like, no, she's successful at this campus. So that's where we're going to do it. And it's not going to make a difference to you, but it's going to make a huge difference to her. And so, 
it's like those little things that I've learned so much and not necessarily that you've even done something about that, but the information that you're putting out there is people are collecting it. And I just think it's such an invaluable resource and I'm so grateful to have met you. And I'm so happy that you were on the podcast today. So I just so appreciate you taking the time to do it and to speak to everybody. So. Well, thank you, Maureen. I feel the same about Clubfoot. You know, before I talked with you on my podcast, I didn't know that you were sent home and said, good luck for the next five years. Like that boggled my mind. It is still one of the most parent intensive processes that I have ever heard of in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And you're bringing light and making so many other families through your book, your podcast, your social media, um, that I think in like this resource, we hear it time and time again, and I hope you do too. It doesn't matter the diagnosis that you're talking about. You're going to take away some information from these conversations that you can apply to your child in your life. And I just thank you for what you do too. And for having me, I will do anything or collaborate whenever you want to. So just let me know. I so appreciate it, Katie. I'm just so grateful. And everybody go follow Katie. I'm telling you, it's worth (laughs) every post, every reel, all of it. So yes, thanks, thanks so much, Katie. I want to give a huge thank you to Katie for being a guest today. I know I already fangirled a bunch about her and how great she is, but I am so grateful for her time and willingness to talk to you. I'm sure that you guys learned a lot from this episode and from her perspective, and I can't emphasize enough how much you can learn from the information that she's sharing. Uh, Like she said, all of this information can be generalized to any type of diagnosis. So there's a lot of things that you can take away from what child life specialists and what Katie is doing on, through child life on call. So as always, thanks so much for listening today. And if you found this episode helpful, even if it's not a clubfoot parent, but someone you think could really benefit from hearing about child life, please share the episode with them. Um, share Katie's information. And if you need to get in contact with me, you can do so through my website at maureenhoff.com or my Instagram account at Clubfoot Chronicles Mom. Until next time.